So we're nearing the end of our Fine Family Sermon Series. And throughout this series, we've been looking at what it takes to have a healthy, functional family. And we said in order to do that, we need to address the elephant in the room because our natural response, what we want to do, is to, to ignore it and hope that it'll just go away. We, we want to bury all the messes that it makes in, in hopes that things will just get better. But the reality is, it doesn't. The mistakes that we make, if, if we ignore them, if we try to bury them, they don't go away and they don't get better. And that's exactly what we've seen in the life of King David. We've been looking at his life. We've been looking at, at his successes and his failures. And he has some doozies. And we've seen how, how those his inability or his refusal to acknowledge those problems just made them worse. His problems didn't go away, and yours aren't going to either. And so if you want to have a healthy, uh, functional family, then we said you need to do two things. You need to be both candid and courageous. You need to be truthful about what is going on, calling out that elephant in the room, but then be... Be courageous enough to do something about it, to deal with that issue, to endure that pain, to do those hard things to address that elephant and take care of the problem. So this morning, we're going to start by being candid. I'm not perfect. I got one gasp there, but the rest of you already know. I'm not perfect. And believe it or not, my family's not perfect. You can even go back in my past and, and my, the family that I grew up in. My parents, my family, not perfect. And the families that they grew up in, not perfect. And someday down the line when my kids have their own families, guess what? They're not going to be perfect. And yours isn't either. But so many times we feel like we have to pretend, that we have to put on that, that face, that we need to just let, tell everybody that, no, everything's fine. My life is perfect. And you know it's a lie. And we know it's a lie. Because you're not perfect. And that's okay. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not have everything together. You don't need to pretend, but that's what we tend to do. I've heard it said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yet every time there's a problem in our life and we ignore it, we bury it, we pretend that it's not there, we pretend that everything's fine and the problem doesn't go away. The problem only gets worse, but then the next time a problem comes up, we try to do the exact same thing expecting different results it's insane if you want to have a different outcome well then you need to do something differently you're going to make mistakes you are not perfect your family is not perfect but these mistakes that you make they're not permanent your mistakes are temporary my mistakes are temporary Whenever we have these problems, our mistakes are temporary unless we refuse to change. 
If we refuse to change, if we refuse to do something different, well, then these mistakes become permanent. But if we're willing to do something different, if we are willing to change, well, then that option is always available. So let's be candid. We've been looking at the life of King David. And King David has made some mistakes. The last few weeks, we've been looking at possibly his greatest mistake, his affair with Bathsheba. And all that has come from that and all that led up to that. And, and today, I want to I continue, but I want to jump forward. I want to jump forward to, to the end result to see where this goes and then back up to see how he got there. And we're going to do that by looking in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 10. We're just going to be reading verse 9, but at this point, King Solomon is king. David has passed away, and Solomon has become king over all of Israel. Now, Solomon is known for his great wisdom. And the queen of Sheba heard about this, and she came to see it for herself. And so she came to visit with King Solomon, and, and they, they talked, and they chatted, and they, she got to know him. And, and this is what she had to say about Solomon. In chapter 10, verse 9, she says, Praise be to the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. That is some pretty high praise. Your country is so lucky to have you as king. You are so wise. It was a gift from God that he placed you here for all these people. That is high praise for any person, let alone a king. You are a gift to other people. Other people are blessed because of you. Remind me again, who was, who was Solomon's father? King David, right? We've been reading about King David, and, and he's had his successes. He's done some good things, but he's also messed up a whole lot. King David, he wasn't always the best dad. I mean, just look at his other sons. We read about Adonijah, who went out of bounds and tried to usurp the king and was put to death. We read about Amnon, who couldn't control his lust and he raped his sister and he died. We read about Absalom, who went to, tried to overthrow his father as king and was ultimately met his demise. That's the legacy that David has. That's the legacy that we've seen so far from King David. And, and yet Solomon is different. David, as we look at all of his other sons, he failed as a father. Yet Solomon, he is a blessing to the entire nation. What's the difference? What happened to bring about this different result? Well, if we back up just a little bit to 1 Kings chapter 3 we begin to see a little bit of this. Solomon 
At this point, he's a young king. He has just ascended to the throne. And he goes to worship God at Gibeon. And it it says that God came to him, starting in verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now the Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. So give your servants a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon is in Gibeon and and God comes to him in a dream, and he tells him, whatever you want, name it, and I'm going to give it to you. Have you ever dreamed of finding Aladdin's magic lamp? Where you rub that lamp, and that genie will give you whatever you want. Anything. Nothing's off limits, except for maybe more wishes. And sometimes it's I mean, I have three wishes, but I don't know that I need all of them. I just need the one. And that's exactly what Solomon was offered. He could have anything. God gave him one wish. Whatever you ask for, whatever you desire, it will be given to you. What would you do if you were given one wish? You could ask anything what would you ask for i mean we have the the standard responses you know people would ask for fame or or fortune and you know all those things that we see with rock stars you know drug sex money all those things those are the things that that immediately come to our carnal minds maybe you're more noble than that maybe you're the type well i would wish for world peace or maybe like Solomon, you would, you would wish for wisdom. I don't know that I'm quite that noble. And I mean, honestly, if you ask me what would I wish for, I would probably tell you more on the side of, of wisdom and, and world peace. But truthfully, whatever I answer, or even whatever you answer, It doesn't make a whole lot of difference what our lips say, because God knows the heart. God knows what you would ask for because you're already seeking after it. You don't even need a wish. Whatever you want, that's what your heart is going after. Whether it's fame, whether it's money, whether it's sex, whether it's wisdom, whether it's God, whatever you want, that's what you are actively seeking right now. No wish required. At this time, Solomon was around 20 years old. He was still a kid in many of our books. And when he was given this opportunity, when he was given this one wish, you can have anything that you want, he asked for wisdom. Now these days, I would lean more towards those those noble responses, but at 20 years old, I don't think I'd be asking for wisdom. I don't think that I was in a place to even know that that's what I'm supposed to ask for. Yet that's exactly what Solomon did. 
how did he know? How did he know that when the time came, if he was ever to have anything in this world, what he needed to ask for, what he needed to seek after, was wisdom? Well, there are a couple things. First of all, you and I have never gotten an opportunity like that. We haven't been given the opportunity that the God has said, whatever you want, just ask for it and I'll give it to you. And I think the context matters. Because if we look just a little bit before this, Solomon went to Gibeon for the express purpose of worshiping God. That was why he was there, to seek after God. Verse 4 tells us that he made a thousand burnt offerings before the Lord. If you want God to give you that opportunity to have whatever it is your heart desires, it starts with seeking him. But there's more to it than that. Because I've been in some pretty good worship services, and I think even at the height of those worship services, I don't know that my wish would have been for wisdom. So what compelled him to ask for wisdom when he could ask for one thing? Why was that what he asked for? And as we continue to go backwards, we begin to see. Solomon's the one who wrote the book of Proverbs. And in this book, he, he shares his, his great wisdom that he has gained over the years with his children. But in Proverbs chapter 4, he shares with us where it all began. Starting with verse 1, he says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I, too, was a son of my father, who is still tender and cherished by my mother. Who was his father again? King David. He goes on, Then he taught me and said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. There we go. Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. This is what Solomon's father taught him. The most important thing in the world, if you could have one wish, what you need is God's wisdom. That's what he was taught by his father. King David. The guy who messed up over and over again. He said that he was, he sat at the foot of his father and he learned these things and he was comforted by his mother. Do you recall who, who the mother of Solomon was? His father was King David and his mother was Bathsheba. We've seen David's mistakes. 
We've seen the outcome of his other children. We've seen how, how his mistakes, how his unwillingness to address the issues in his life spiraled out of control and led to disaster. And we've been reading about his affair with Bathsheba and how, how this went horribly, horribly wrong. Because of, of his sin. When Bathsheba came to him and said that she was pregnant, and he did all those things to try to cover it up, to hide the issue, as a result of that, the child that she bore him died. But it goes on. It says, Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah, which means loved by the Lord. You see, Solomon was the result of David's greatest mistake. Solomon was the outcome of that affair with Bathsheba. David taught him all of these things. Because you see, the father that raised Amnon, Adonijah, Absalom, the father that raised those children, those men, was a completely different man that raised Solomon. David was a changed man. He parented completely differently. When Nathan came and broke those eggs, when he popped that bubble, when he called out his sin, David chose to follow God. David chose to turn away from that sin. He, he decided to change. And because of that, his greatest mistake was able to be turned into his greatest success. If we look through Proverbs, again, Proverbs is, is all that, that Solomon wrote about, about life and, and wisdom. If we look at the first six chapters, what we see is David's life. What we see are all the mistakes that David made. Look in chapter 5, verse 20. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord. And he examines all your paths. I think David learned that one from experience. And he took that opportunity to share that with his son. Because so many times, parents, we feel like I've made too many mistakes. How can I say anything to my children? How can I tell my children that they need to save themselves from marriage when mine was a shotgun wedding? How can I speak to them about premarital sex when I'm the poster child for it? I don't have any room to speak. How can I help my children navigate their relationships when I've had multiple affairs? And I've screwed it up so many times, I can't speak into that. I have no ground to stand on. 
How can I tell my kids that their education is important, that they need to go to college when I didn't even finish high school? And we try to we disqualify ourselves because I've made too many mistakes. Because I've messed up in this area, I can't I can't tell them the right thing to do because I didn't do it. But David's mistakes didn't disqualify him. In fact, he was able to to better instruct and teach his children because because he chose to change. Because he chose to do something different. Remember, your mistakes are temporary unless you refuse to change. So we need to be candid. We need to be honest with our kids. Yes, it may be painful to bring up all of your failures. But you're in a unique position to say, this is the path that you're going down, and I've been there. And here are the lessons that I've learned. Here is the pain that I still have to deal with because I made those mistakes. Learn from my mistakes. I chose to change. And then... Got to be courageous. It's really easy to think of of the Bible as a self-help book. Well, if I just look in here and I can thumb through Proverbs and I can see all the things that I need to do in order to be a better parent, and don't get me wrong, those are good things. There's a lot of wisdom in here. But seeking wisdom is more than an intellectual pursuit. Solomon said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. He also said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. There's no shortage of self-help books and parenting books out there that will tell you do X, Y, and Z, and that's how you're going to be a successful parent. But the heart of all of it is a choice to seek after God. That was the turning point in David's life. That was his turning point as a father to follow God. To to do as God said, to, to turn from his sin, to make a choice, to do something different, and therefore to make his mistakes temporary. The reason things changed is because David and Bathsheba made a choice. They chose to follow God. They chose to pass on that wisdom to their children. And Solomon is the result. You can look at it and say Solomon's the result of an affair, but you can also look at it and say Solomon is the result of lessons learned. And he went on to be a wiser man than his father because of it. And you have that same choice today. You can continue 
in the cycles of, of your parents and of your grandparents, you can continue doing the same thing over and over again, but you're going to get the same results. Or you can make a choice to follow God. You can decide between insanity and God's wisdom. But it comes down to your choice that you make. This morning we're going to be partaking in the sacrament of communion. And it's all about a choice. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided that I want to be with him, that I want to follow him and to have what he has for me rather than continuing to do the same thing and getting the same results that I've always gotten, ignoring and burying the problems. If you're new to the church, we only have one requirement, that you want to follow Jesus. You don't need to reach a certain age. You don't need to take a special class. You don't need to be a member of this church. All that's required is a desire to follow Jesus. And so in just a moment... We're going to sing, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song. And as we sing, I would invite you to examine yourself and to, to come to your own conclusions, to make your own choice, to make your own decision for what you will do. Will you follow Jesus? Will you follow God and his wisdom? Or will you follow your own feelings? And the wisdom of this world and continue to ignore and continue to bury the problems. And when you're ready, I would invite you to make your way down the center aisle to receive the bread and the juice, and then to take them back to your seat. And once everyone has done that, then we will all partake in this sacrament together. Stand with me, if you will. <laughs>
on to you that which has been passed on to me that on the night when Jesus was betrayed and arrested he first gathered together with his disciples and they shared a meal during that meal Jesus took the bread and when he'd given thanks to God he broke it and he gave it to them saying this is my body for you do this in remembrance of me you may partake of the bread similar fashion after the meal Jesus took the cup and he held it before them saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me you may partake of the cup God is in the business of changing lives I don't know your past. I don't know the mistakes that you've made, how big or how small, or it doesn't matter. Because as we've said, your mistakes are temporary unless you refuse to change. God wants to do something great in your life. 
not going to do it without you. Lord Jesus, I pray that that each of us would take to heart what we've been learning in this whole series. That we would see the life of David, that we'd see his mistakes, that we'd see his successes, and God, that we would see the result that came from a heart that was turned toward you. God, may we be both candid and courageous. May we be truthful and honest about the way things are in our lives and may we do the hard thing to change them and make our mistakes temporary. And God, may we be able to pass those lessons on to our children knowing that nothing is too great for you to forgive. If we will turn our hearts to you and follow after your wisdom. So go with us this week, God, we pray. Guide us and direct us. Help us to be both candid and courageous in our lives and in our families. 